So someone hurts your sweet little baby feelings, huh? No, your feelings are hurt. Why? Don't be selfish. Entertain me. Who's hurting your little baby feelings and why? Welcome to Homer Collective. I'm Pat Ward. And I'm Taryn Mao. And today we're talking about emotions. What are they? Why do they matter? If you feel disconnected from your emotions, or if you grew up in a house where emotions were rarely discussed or expressed, or if you have people who sometimes tell you that they have a hard time connecting with you emotionally, this episode is for you. It may also be for you if you are in any close contact with someone in the categories I just mentioned. I hope that you'll learn something today, and I hope that um, your relationships will be impacted by the information here. So here we go. Most of us, when asked how we feel, can really only identify five basic emotions. So those emotions being anger, sadness, joy, fear, and disgust. And so if you've had kids and you watch the movie Inside Out, you know exactly what we're talking about here. Those are kind of the four or the five characters yeah. in that movie. But those I missed are, that those I missed are... that part because I was crying through that whole movie. It's so freaking sad anyway that's my it is it's so good but it is really sad yeah it is for a pixar movie especially actually all pixar movies are super sad so why are they doing that to us these days (laughs) why couldn't they just put dirty jokes into them like they used to that only adults would catch but now they're just like crushing us emotionally anyway i really i really appreciated that movie because i mean i think it gave us a basic understanding, especially it's a kid's movie too. I mean, I, maybe not just a kid's movie. So much of what we're talking about today is going to relate to adults as well, sure. not just kids. But when we talk about emotions, that's just kind of a more simplistic way of viewing how we feel. So feeling angry, feeling sad, feeling joy, feeling fear, feeling disgust. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we actually only feel those five emotions. Uh, the list of words we could actually use to describe how we feel is really extensive. And there are researchers out there who are actually still determining how many human emotions there are. We don't even know. It's the crazy thing. The research around emotion is still relatively new. So what we do know, however, is that emotions matter and that being able to label how we feel and understand emotion actually leads to a healthier and happier life. So without that education on emotion, which I don't think, I think most of us didn't have, I didn't learn about emotion in school. That wasn't something we talked about. It wasn't even something we really talked about a lot at home growing up. I think we can see that anxiety and stress. So ultimately for kids in schools, it's at an all time high. Um, Bullying rates have skyrocketed and it's more and more difficult to get kids to actually complete their homework, their schoolwork. And if you're a teacher, you know this, (laughs) you live this every day. Maybe you're a parent and you're on the other end of this, trying to get your kids to do these things. Um, But generally speaking, we also know then too, that depression is still the leading cause of disability worldwide and burnout is causing people to quit their jobs. And loneliness has been an epidemic for quite some time. And so all of this, I feel, and Pat, you could agree or disagree with me, but I feel is because we don't educate ourselves or our kids on emotion and how to manage and recognize those emotions. Sure. And many other like legitimate health concerns that we have are attached to emotional states as well, like suicide rates or heart disease and the 
the, our, our eating and exercise habits are, are hardwired into our emotional lives as well. So in some ways that we haven't always been aware of, we're seeing some of the effects of, uh, of an empty emotional toolbox. Um, we also, without an understanding of emotion, we have a hard time grasping something really important within us. And that is the connection between our feelings and our thoughts and our behaviors. And the relationship between those three things determines so much about our lives. The work that Taryn and I do with our clients, uh, usually at a crisis moment in their life or in their relationship, um, most of what they are seeing and, and growing in insight about is the connection between those three things, feelings, thoughts, and, emo- and behavioral responses. And so uh, the more that we understand the feelings aspect of it, the more that we can see the connection there and the more that we can see um, how their interplay is affecting us. So there are people, um, someone, Dr. Mark Brackett at the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, he's actively working with a team to bring teaching emotional intelligence to the school systems. And they're finding really positive results in the kids that they're training and they're teaching. Um, And even with the teachers that they're training as well. Um, And so they're finding that emotionally in tune kids are more creative, focused, and positive. They're able to make better decisions. They're able to have better relationships with their peers and teachers. And then also um, they're just ultimately, I think, bringing more health back to their families. So they're, they're challenging their families to learn and grow as well. Most of us, because we didn't grow up in a school system that actually implemented those types of things. If you're listening to your podcast, this podcast today, we might feel a little bit like we're playing catch up. Like, thankfully we're teaching this in the school system, right? Like thankfully Hopefully the the next generations will do a better job at this. Um, But I think as adults, many of us actually have to figure out what learning this on our own actually looks like. So if you want to learn more about either teaching your kids emotional intelligence or just learn more yourself from an adult perspective, um, you can check out Dr. Um, Brackett's book, Permission to Feel. Um, That um, is a really helpful resource And I I really actually just love the title because oftentimes I think we do have to give ourselves, we feel regardless, but we have to give ourselves that permission to actually be able to do that. So all of the benefits of emotional intelligence that we found in kids are actually also true in adults. And that's why we're spending a full episode actually talking about why emotions matter. And the, the problem, I think, with a lot of adults is we realize there we come to points in our life when we need an emotional toolbox that's got the right tools in it, whether we're grieving or we're, you know, in a really hard place in our relationships or we're burned out or something. We open that toolbox and realize, man, we got very little in there. And some of the stuff that we have is not very useful. We got like a colander and a broken pencil and stuff in there. And so there, there are some messages and some some incorrect assumptions about emotions that have been holding us back for a long time. Some of those are, you know, messages that emotions point to weakness, that if we aren't in control of our emotions, then it somehow makes us weak in our in our core. Um, the other other subtle uh, messages about emotions is that there are positive and negative emotions. There can be good emotions and bad emotions. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but that's that's not a really helpful way to conceptualize it either. Yeah, we also can think that it's better to avoid thinking about how we feel. Um, and I don't even think this is a conscious thought. I think like subconsciously we kind of push down how we feel or we've been trained or taught to push down or avoid thinking about how we feel like somehow it's going to make that emotion worse 
or that emotion should be dealt with on our own. So if I notice that I feel something, I can't actually share that or bring that to somebody, but it's, it's more, and maybe it's because I believe emotions point to weakness or I don't feel like there are safe people out there to share with, but that it's my job to figure that out on my own and not burden other people with how I'm feeling. Sure. Sure. And then finally, unfortunately, emotions have been equated with spiritual or moral deficiencies. Uh, this goes along with labeling some as good or bad, but sometimes we, we would equate like somebody who's having anxiety or worry as somebody who doesn't have enough faith or who, who isn't grateful enough. Or sometimes we would, you know, if we see somebody who's really, you know, feeling self-confident or proud, we would think that that's something that is somehow, um, just in and of itself, something that's, that's morally wrong or that's, that's spiritually bad. And some of that stuff has, uh, has created a lot of unnecessary shame just based on emotions, not on behavior and not on, you know, something on the outside that affected somebody else directly. But we've, we've learned how, unfortunately, to shame each other just by something that we may be feeling. And as you're going to see, that's not very helpful either. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of judgment that we have about ourselves and about other people when we, try to guess how other people are feeling so the truth about emotion is actually that instead of thinking of emotion as a weakness it is much more helpful to see our emotions as insight that teach us about ourselves and others which is actually a huge strength it's not a weakness at all since everyone feels how can emotions actually point to weakness um we all have them (laughs) it is human nature to feel things, right? To react yep. to the things that are happening around us, to um, the people in our relationships that actually, they exist for a reason. And if you are a spiritual person, I often tell my clients who have faith background um, that God gave us these emotions. Like he would not have built us this way or hardwired us this way if there yep. was not a purpose behind them. Yeah. And you can read the Gospels, the, the accounts of Jesus' life, and there's a lot of emotions in there. Jesus had emotions. They were, some of them were even emotions we shame ourselves for now, like anger um, uh, and and sadness. But um, but yeah, there's there's nothing to there's nothing to dismiss there. Um, when we can recognize how we feel, we begin to take steps closer to helping other people see how they can connect with us. And when we can recognize how other people feel, um, we know where to find them as well. A lot of times in my work with couples, I, I help couples realize that at the heart of most marriage tension and most conflict are two people who both feel disrespected and misunderstood. And so if I can see where that's being exhibited in my spouse, um, then I, I may not like it or understand it, but I can at least find her in that and, and, and begin to step towards her in that. So I can use emotions as kind of a guide in my connecting uh, with my partner. So um, it, not only does it bring about awareness, but it also can bring about empathy too. And empathy is the antidote for shame. Empathy is where I can see your emotions. It doesn't mean I have to get lost in there or I even have to feel the same thing you're feeling, but I can see you in the emotions and I can, I can try to relate to you as you are in those emotions, not as how I think you should be or how I wish that you were. And empathy is the, the antidote for shame. So we can we can help alleviate that in other people. And it moves us from a posture of retreat into one that gets us moving forward towards each other or towards life in general. And that's why it's so important. Yeah, we feel so much more connected when we have empathy. I can say I might not know what your experience. I I might not have gone through the thing that you're going through, but I might know the feeling. 
right? Mm-hmm. I might know that emotion, maybe different circumstances, right? But I know how sadness feels and, and you're really sad right now. So I can connect with that. And we, we just feel so much uh, closer and more connected when we can do that in our relationships. All yep. those positive results that we saw in kids who were learning emotional intelligence, those positive things exists for all of us. So creativity, being able to focus, being able to pay attention, having healthier relationships, being motivated, being more positive, positive or optimistic. Um, when we're aware of our emotions, that's what we're going to experience. And so ultimately uh, we feel that emotions matter. And actually when we're aware of our emotions, it's, it's more of a strength than a weakness. Beyond that, beyond just the, the seeing emotions as a strength, not a weakness, we also need to deal with this idea that um, there are positive and negative emotions, but all emotions hold equal value because they can all tell us something about our internal state or about somebody else. And so uh, it's not not necessarily about good or bad. We may have some that are appropriate or, or inappropriate to express in certain situations, but as far as just on the surface being good or bad, um, that's not really a help, as helpful of an understanding as uh, seeing them as ha- holding equal value and all holding, you know, having having an equal voice in helping us understand what's going on with ourselves and others. So certain emotions can be uncomfortable, they can be unpleasant, but ultimately every human emotion is equal in the sense um, that they that they offer us insight, and then there's no good or bad emotion. Yeah. And oftentimes that I think belief comes from what we're taught. And so sometimes we're taught that certain emotions are either bad or wrong, or maybe we're even punished for expressing a certain emotion. Uh, I think oftentimes when you're a parent to a toddler, (laughs) this is like Mm -hmm. kind of when teaching this comes out, comes up. Um, So, I mean, toddlers who throw tantrums, they're throwing a tantrum because they don't have the words or the vocabulary to be able to express how they feel yet. Right. So they're acting that out. Yeah. They're behaving in a certain way. And I think as a parent, it can be so easy to just become so frustrated with your child that you punish them. You react in that moment. And now unintentionally, I'm somehow um, passing down this message that it was that anger that was actually the wrong thing that's being punished and that they're not actually allowed to feel angry or sad about something rather than correcting the actual behavior of the the tantrum. And I think that that's something we're learning. That's something as more research comes out, we're learning there is a different way to parent that we can actually validate the emotion that we can say, Oh, mommy feels sad sometimes too, or daddy feels, you know, angry sometimes too. Um, that's totally fine, but, but we can't act this way. Sure. We need to ensure that we're acting in a way that keeps yourself and others safe and then still, you know, offer up those consequences and whatnot. But I think that oftentimes, you know, in the way that we're parented, that can be reinforced um, unintentionally. Yeah. And we can also, if we can understand the difference between emotion and behavior, we can offer our kids a redo on their behavior and say, Hey, mm-hmm. it's okay for you to feel angry. This is how you'd respond to that anger. Why don't we try that again? We can't offer them a redo on emotions. Emotions mm-hmm. are emotions, but we can't offer them a redo on behavior. And that can be really helpful for them. Yeah. There are those teachable moments, right? Where sure. I offer them that redo, or let's think about how we could have handled the situation differently. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It's worth noting that certain emotional states or certain emotions in general might be more difficult for you if you grew up in an abusive, controlling or manipulative household. Um, or if you had parents who had mental health struggles or addiction struggles of their own. That is one of the things that those are those are some of the situations that we often find we're having to help people kind of rebuild from the ground up the way that they conceptualize emotions and the comfort that they have with their own emotions. So a lot of that that positive and negative messaging comes through in um, in difficult childhood situations. Yeah, if I'm taught that I have to somehow manage mom or dad's emotion. Yeah. Um, or that I, that, um, yeah, I'll be punished. Then there's a lot of undoing <laughs> yep. that has to occur there for sure. It's also important to be self-aware and recognize how our emotions may be impacting our behavior. So we were just kind of talking about this in parenting a little bit, but we know that avoidance never helps. So Whereas I might have the belief that I need to just avoid thinking about how I feel and focus on these other things or distract myself or whatever. Oftentimes what we find when we do that, when we push down that emotion, it's, it's like um, shaking up like a, a pop can or a soda can. Like that emotion will build up over time. And because emotions are these natural things we feel as yeah. human beings, they're going to come out eventually in some way. And oftentimes they come out sideways. They don't come yep. out the way that we want them to. We end up saying or doing things that we later on regret, especially with people that we really care about more often with people we're closest with. Sure. And so that's why avoiding is, is never helpful. Recognizing how we feel is always going to be um, more powerful. And we can also recognize in that, that a lot of our behavior is habitual. It's often um, there's a there's a habitual link between the way that we feel and the way that we react, even if the way that we react doesn't ultimately get us what we need or help our relationships. And so if we understand that labeling emotions, we can realize, man, when I'm feeling sad, I often get angry and isolate myself. And so I'm not I'm not going to promise that I'm never going to get sad again, but I can notice that about myself and I can lean into this into the, the skid, so to speak. And I can look for ways to do the opposite of isolating myself. And, and hopefully that will give me something else, even if the emotion is still there underneath. Um, when we label our emotions, it doesn't have power over us. Um, but instead we exercise our own power to name what we're feeling. And it also helps us understand emotions that they're sometimes like tunnels and we can get stuck in those emotions sometimes. And so even on this podcast, like the fact that we're talking about how important they are, it's not it's not that they're the end result of everything, that we would just be fully consumed in our emotions and be stuck there, but that we would see it as a tunnel, something that helps us pass through something, but also something that helps take us to a favorable destination. Um, everybody. Uh, struggles with what we call stressors, things that our life that cause stress in our bodies, stress in our lives, and these elicit emotions. So if we're going to, if we're going to understand emotions, we have to see that they are a given, they're a part of, of life. As long as we're, you know, as long as we are um, active, as long as we are embracing the things that are around us. And so uh, we have to work through the emotions and keep moving down that tunnel in order to cope with stress, not to create more stress. Yeah. We'll talk a little more about how to effectively or more efficiently work through some of those emotions. So we don't get caught in those tunnels. Cause when we get caught in those tunnels, it can lead to burnout. Um, and we can, we can 
really get stuck and it can feel really cruddy. So it's also important to share how we feel with someone that we trust, that that actually leads to more resiliency and is a, a way healthier approach than trying to deal with emotions on our own. Um, like we were saying earlier, I think oftentimes we can believe that we can burden other people with our emotions or it's my emotion. So like I, I hear people say, especially in couples therapy, they have this fear of being codependent, like mm. they're too dependent <laughs> on their spouse or partner. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, Pat, I don't even really believe in the word codependency. And I know that there are like counselors out there who totally disagree with me on that. Sure. I think oftentimes when people say codependent, what they really means what they really mean is um, I'm not sure I can share how I feel with this person or this person's been sharing with me how they feel, but they've been sharing it in a way that hasn't been helpful for me. Yeah. So it's more the way in which that emotion has been shared, not, not the fact that the emotion is being shared at sure. all. Because really when we think about relationships and, and whether or not we know each other and whether or not we belong and whether or not we, we feel um, seen and heard, we have to have those conversations and we have to be able to share. Yeah. Beyond codependency as a, as a relational pattern that helps somebody lose identity when they're in a relationship with somebody who is addicted or struggling with mental health. A lot of times we use that label to talk about a breakdown in empathy. And what yeah. I mean by that is it's important to understand empathy is, is beyond just sympathy. Sympathy is where we see somebody in their emotions or in their struggles, but empathy keeps us at a healthy distance away from that instead of being consumed by it. And so a lot of times we label that as codependency when it's really just a, an emotional boundary issue for us. And so we don't have to take responsibility for other people's emotions. Um, we can, we can validate them. We can share empathy. We can do, we can help control things we can control. Um, but we don't necessarily have to be tangled up and totally mixed up in their own emotions. Yeah. Um, as a therapist, Pat, what we do in therapy, right, is we have empathy for our clients in session as they share hard things with us. That doesn't mean that I somehow take on the responsibility of that emotion. I might. So I'm holding my hands out right now. Right. So I might hold <laughs> that emotion with them as they share it with me. And then when they leave my office, I kind of hand it back to them. Yep. Like, oh, that's really hard. Let me hold that with you. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. I I've, I'm a, understand more about you, you now. Right. And hopefully you feel the comfort of that, of me holding that yeah. with you. And then when they leave, right. I'm essentially like handing that back to them. Like that is theirs to feel and theirs to work through and theirs to continue yep. to reflect on. Um, and, and so that's me practicing, right. Not being responsible. And I think we do that in our lives every day. Very good. That's a good power move for healthy relationships too. Very good. Um, the last one is there's a myth that we only feel one emotion at a time. And that is just not true. In fact, feeling more than one thing at a time is what makes us a human being. Uh, it's helpful in some of life's most important circumstances to understand that we can feel both sad and happy at the same time. In some circumstances, we can feel both angry and loving, and we can feel both scared and strong at the same time. And it's okay. And um, in fact, sometimes it's even more helpful for us to have a mix of emotions to guide our behavior in our decision-making on the other side. Yeah, we're complex. So I, I guess some of the most efficient ways to work through our emotions then um, are through, so exercise. Again, we're focusing kind of on the, our core systems here. We've said this a million times, but this can be really helpful exercise. We may move the body because emotions live in the body, mm -hmm. works out those emotions. Um, same thing with breathing. 
because that breath helps release some of that emotion that we can be feeling and the heaviness of some of that or tension of some of that in our body that can be helpful. And, and laughter, a laughter is a great release yep. physiologically for our bodies and releasing that and working through emotions. Even when you um, have watched videos of people starting off um, forcing a laugh, like faking a laugh, and then they do that with another person. And eventually that leads to genuine laughter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. Cause it's just silly. <laughs> the fact that we're just forcing ourselves to laugh, to try to release that um, in, in the body. Yep. It does work. It does work. It's contagious. I think there've been many books with that title. So yes. Uh, also talking to somebody else about how we feel helps. This is not just good relationship advice but this is also good for our you know us cognitively which is where our emotions live um you know it connects our experiences across several different parts of our brain and several different you know our our two hemispheres when we talk things out with somebody else it helps us to gain self-awareness and a different perspective of what we're going through um crying sometimes can be very helpful too i mean it, it, it is a physiological release of that emotion and it helps us it helps us dissipate and deal with some of the energy that's there inherent in, in intense emotions. And so, you know, sometimes it's, it's crying. Sometimes again, it's laughing. That's why every once in a while you'll hear, if you go to a funeral visitation, you'll hear people laughing together because it's still just a way of getting that, that embodied energy and emotion out on the surface. And so um, those things can be really helpful too. Yeah. Expressing yourself creatively can also be a really great thing way to work through that tunnel of emotion um and creativity doesn't have to look like art like the way that you would think of creativity creativity can look at at a lot of different things it can look like metaphor um of how you're feeling kind of a mental picture of how you would describe how you're feeling to somebody else to visualize um your experience in some other way but i mean it could look like getting your hands on something it could like look like journaling it could look like painting it could look like uh, there are a lot of different ways to be creative music, um, both as an expression of that emotion. As a, a symptom. Sure. Sure. We listen to music. We listen to Taylor Swift when we're sad, but also there's something about Taylor Swift that makes us feel a little bit better too. So <laughs> and we feel both <laughs> at the same time somehow when we listen to Taylor. <laughs> Thanks Taylor. Uh, finding a common language can be very helpful too in therapy we use emotion color wheels or a list of emotional words to help clients observe what they're feeling for themselves and communicate those things with us this has been very helpful sometimes in couples work because it's it's hard it's hard to push past like i feel sad well do you feel sad because you're grieving do you feel sad because you're lonely like it just helps push past um, and, and get us closer to the core needs that are actually underneath our emotions. Um, now send those charts out to clients. And in fact, I have a, a fraternity uh, who's using one of my color charts right now to help them communicate better and have better meetings. So way to go, guys. We really appreciate y'all listening today. And if you have questions regarding um, how to either identify and label how you feel or work through some of what you've been feeling lately, please know it's a practice. We all have to learn. We all have to grow into that. And so if you're looking for support in that process, um, try contacting a licensed therapist. Try talking to somebody who's also learning this, this new skill. Um, hopefully, maybe your kids are even teaching you. Maybe they're even learning <laughs> about it at school uh, from their teachers. 
who knows? Um, allow your kids to teach you. I think that, that could be a great way to learn. Yep. To connect with us, you can follow us on Facebook or at patwardcounseling.com or Taryn Cooper. That's Taryn with a Y, TarynCooper.com. Have a great day. Bye.